Hey, everybody. Uh, here's a puzzle. Words are powerful, sort of. Have you ever thought about how uh, we use our words? One of the funniest moments, I use this all the time in messages. If you ever heard me talk before, I've probably quoted this before, but the funniest moments in all of TV history is when Michael Scott walks out of his office and he says this. He, he says, I declare... Big, it's the funniest thing, guys. You can, it's, it's, it gets me every time. And the reason I love it is because this is how he thinks bankruptcy works. He thinks, see, like, all of his problems will go away if he just declares it out loud to somebody, like, just into the air. And it's Oscar who has to go, oh, Michael, you can't just say the words and expect anything to happen, right? Um, words are powerful, sort of. Uh, I, I don't, you know this, I know this. We all have these phrases to describe why words alone are not enough for us. Here's some phrases that we have, right? Uh, how about this one? Talk is cheap. You ever said that before? Maybe in the 80s, 90s, talk is cheap, right? Or uh, maybe you were a little bit more hip. You're like, don't talk about it, be about it, right? Like that was like a little bit more of like, hey, man, stop, stop talking about it, be about it. Uh, what about this one? Uh, actions speak louder than words, right? Um, these sayings are true for and about all of us. Like if you're, if you're stuck in a relationship and he keeps tiptoeing around a proposal, but he never proposes, you say to him, 10 years, dude, talk is, right? I mean, at some point you're like, ugh, it's not just what you say, it's what you do. If your boss is always like, yeah, we've got that promotion that's coming your way, but you never see a promotion somehow, they just say that they fixed a glitch, right? Like you're, you just, you're like, well, your actions speak louder than words. You're not actually backing up what you say. We are people who um, don't, don't care what you say. It's, it's the doing that makes the difference. We get how our words have power, sort of. Um, but leave this list up here because there's, there's one person that this list has absolutely no connection to. Do you know that there's one person who this does not apply to at all? Actually, all of these are untrue about one person, and it's God. It's God. Because God has this incredible, the thing that makes God higher and more powerful than anyone else or anything else in the entire world is that his words do his work. God's words do his work. God speaks, and he makes a difference in the world. At the greatest height of power, I mean, you, you know this. I'm coming for you in just a second. The greatest height of power is the ability to speak words and have the world around you change. This is what God does. But this is also why every prime day you buy more of those Alexa speakers for your house. Because you kind of want to feel like God. Yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm at an event. My wife, you know, needs a flashlight out. And she decides not to hit the very conveniently located flashlight button. But she goes, hey, Siri, Lumos, which is the Harry Potter thing for light. And it lights on. And every time, she kind of like jumps up and down like, did you see? Don't do it right now. Don't do it right now. It does work. Uh, she, why, why do you do that? Because you want your words to be powerful. You want your words to affect change. And God's words always affect the exact change that God is looking for in the world. We, we know that there's a limit to what our words can do. We are not God. And I think this is why I believe in Jesus, just to get right to the point today. 
It's because the, the miracle of Jesus is such that he is the word of God wrapped up in a human form. He, 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 um, if you read anything about Jesus in the Bible, he, he, you come to believe that Jesus himself is the powerful word of God in action in this world. Jesus is how we know that God's actions speak louder than his words and that, that God didn't just talk about it, but he became about it. That's Jesus. God became the fulfillment of all the things that he said he would do. And um, I, God promised the Savior, uh, Jesus is the Savior. That's what Jesus said. He's like, I came to fulfill all that God said. And, and I don't even have to like infer this from what Jesus said or what he did. He actually told us like, almost from the beginning of his days, here's what he said to some followers uh, a long time ago. Luke chapter four, this is one of the first things Jesus says. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim, what is that? To speak out good news to the poor. He has sent me to Proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. To, to not just proclaim, but to do something, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Je Jesus made a powerful difference in the world by his words and with his actions. He healed, he forgave, he restored, he freed. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just talk. This is a, by the way, I'm, I'm just decided I'm going to preload you with the amen moments. This is one. Okay. Jesus didn't just talk about dying for the sins of the world. He died for the sins of the world. Here's a better one. Okay. Coming up right here. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't just talk about rising from the dead. He actually rose from the dead. I know that if you're not a Jesus person, that was a weird moment for you, but, but, but we've come to believe what is told to us about the, the person of Jesus is that he actually did the things that God promised that he would do. And if, if this is what Jesus did, that would be alone make him worthy of worship and spending your time, your money, your energy following him into new life, but it gets even better. In, in fact, what happens after Jesus rises from the dead is one of the most puzzling things to me, it's the most puzzling things maybe to you, it's the most puzzling thing to his disciples. Because Jesus looked at all of his followers and he said, okay, you've seen me do the word thing, the deed thing, the, the words in action thing. You've seen God show up and interrupt history and the words have done the work that God has intended. And now guess what, everybody? He goes, my work is done and now you, my followers, whose words don't have as much power as my words do, you get to take all of my power and do the word and the work thing for the whole entire world. Here's how it went for the disciples. The disciples were so puzzled because they were trying to put the pieces of Jesus' life together for themselves. They gathered around, they asked him, they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is the question. Jesus has just resurrected from the dead. He's revealed himself to his disciples. And this is the missing piece of the puzzle that the disciples are fixed on. They've seen Jesus answer all the promises that God had made about a Messiah, about healing, about freeing, about restoring, about redeeming, about setting people free, about healing the blind. Jesus did all the things that he said he would do. But there was one puzzle piece for the disciples that they were like, well, we just don't understand where is that piece? Like, it feels like we lost that piece. When are you, here, here's what the piece was. It was a political power move. 
They were expecting Jesus to come in and flex his power and fix their politics. Some things never change, right? (laughs) And Jesus says this to them. Look at what he says. He says, it's not actually for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's a very nice way of Jesus saying, like, hey, step down. And then look what he says. He says, but you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my, everybody say this word with me, witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was the city. uh, Judea was kind of the region. Samaria was next door to the ends of the earth was obviously blowing this completely out. They had come wondering about the future of Israel and and Jesus is like, no, no, you're going to get power. You're going to be witnesses, and then you're going to be scattered everywhere because this is bigger than Israel. This is about this here, Jerusalem, this nearby in Samaria, but also the faraway places to the ends of the earth. They will be witnesses. I want to pause on this just for a moment before I kind of lead us into what I want to share with us today. A witness is more than just someone who takes the stand in a trial. This word that Jesus uses is actually the Greek word martyr. We actually have a very different view of what a martyr is. We think a martyr is someone who gives up their life for a religious cause. That's not at all the way that the martyr uh, word was used in the first century in Rome or or in Jerusalem. The the Greek word just simply meant someone who, who took the opportunity to tell other people what they had experienced. That was what a martyr did. A martyr was just someone who, regardless the cost, which is how eventually it became someone who gave their life. But when Jesus said it, the give your life part wasn't really in, in view. It was just someone who's going to make a difference in this world by your testimony. Just like a witness in a trial makes a difference with their testimony, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, okay, all of this, this word and this action thing, you're going to be the people who go and you use your words and you use your actions to reveal to the world the puzzle that I've been revealing. This is the most surprising thing, is that Jesus was looking at them and saying, you're going to see me do amazing things and in you and through you. And I don't want you just to talk about the good news. I want you to be about the good news. So I want to talk about how we as Heartland have been about the good news and not just talked about the good news for the last 36 years. Can I do that today? Is that okay? Uh, Have you had enough Bible yet? I could keep going, but I got a lot of stories out of this house right here, this family of, of people who have followed God that I just want to get into. And, 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 and I just think it's really an incredible heartbeat of Heartland is that we have for 36 years tried to do this one thing that Jesus has said back in Acts 1.8. It's just this. It's, it's that we want to help people make a difference. That's what a witness is. It's someone who makes a difference in the world. Jesus has given us his words, he's given us his power, and he's called us to be a people who make a difference for the sake of others. Two two and a half weeks ago, I I talked about uh, how we help people find God. Last week, Pastor Brad uh, Herndon talked about how we help people find their people. Today, I want to talk about how we help people make a difference because back in uh, October 26 of 1986, a small group of people gathered uh, in the basement of a, of, a, of a home, and then they went out to an elementary school and opened the doors to the community. And the heartbeat behind this was so strong. 
Because the people of Heartland started this church almost like a protest, almost like a protest against organized religion. Uh, they knew that organized religion, if left unchecked, will cease to reach out to help people. And the gravity, the inertia of organized religion almost always is, is, is trying to turn in on itself and to think and care more about itself than the actual mission it was created to reach out in the first place. And so people of Heartland, they gathered together to say, we want to be the type of people who resists the pull inward and maintain a posture outward so that we can always be this type of make a difference, be my witness, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth type of people. They knew that a church would go from a community change agent to a country club in less than a year if they weren't intentional about being change agents that make a difference in the world. Have you ever seen this happen? You don't have to say yes. But have you ever seen this happen where, where, where a group of people will rally together around a really noble mission? Maybe it's even a spiritual mission and it's for other people. And then within a year, they're fighting and they're bickering and they're fundraising for things that aren't even a part of the mission that they started in the first place. Because the natural pull for all of us is to turn inward. And this heartbeat that we help people make a difference has always helped us resist the pull inward to make sure that we are an outward-looking group of people. There's a great story about this building that you're sitting in right now. We purchased this uh, church home, I'll call it, 16, 17 years ago. And as we were in the process of purchasing this building, a gang came by. We don't know when, we don't know where. And they uh, took some blue spray paint and they tagged some graffiti on the back of this building. If you're around kind of when we were buying this building, you kind of remember the story. It became a legendary part of the history of our church because there was a guy uh, who was a lead pastor back then named Dan, and I just want to go on record and say, Dan's make the best pastors, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I owe you 20 bucks, don't I? It's in like the cuss jar, I think. That's like the pastor cuss jar. Uh, and, and so Dan uh, found this, this, this tag right here. And, and, you know, most churches who are kind of insider-focused, who are worried about themselves, would have been in the process of buying a building and would have looked at this, and they probably would have done what most churches would have done, which is just, like, grab some white paint and covered it up and quietly gone about their business. Maybe some cantankerous members would have brought this up at the prayer gathering that week <laughs> and would have complained about it but not prayed for the people who actually tagged the building. Isn't that kind of an ouch moment? But that's kind of what, what happens when we have organized religion that looks inward. We stop realizing that God called us to the ends of the earth. And, and I love Dan's heartbeat. At this moment, this preached a message to him. This preached an entire sermon to him. This preached an entire mission statement for a season of our church. Uh, he realized that, that this was Acts 1.8, that, that Jesus was saying, you know, most churches, uh, they, they have the arrows pointing in, but this is the arrows are all pointing out. And, and, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right in the middle. And then we go out to Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth, to the furthest out. Dan called this um, arrows out, that, that heartland where we were arrows, arrows out. What is that? That is a way to describe the same thing Jesus is saying when he says, you're going to be my witnesses. He, he was reminding this group of people that they were serving God best when they made a difference in these three spaces. And here, right here, where you are, near 
kind of your surrounding areas and far. Here, near, and far. That's where we make a difference. We aim as a people of God to make a difference. This is what our staff aims to do, to help you make a difference in your life, wherever you are, wherever you're here is, wherever you're near is, and wherever you're far is. You see, God has put it in each one of our hearts. This is what I know to be true about every single person that I've encountered so far. You might be the exception, but I don't think you are. Is that God has put it deep inside of our hearts that every single one of us wants to make our community better, wants to make our world better, wants to make your church family better. But sometimes we just don't know how. And then if you live in a county like Johnson County, which we're privileged and blessed to live in, thank God for where we live, the needs can be a little bit more obscured by a veneer of success. And so what we as a church have vowed to do for 36 years is to break through the veneer and to help people see and be introduced to opportunities to make a difference here, near, and far. Um, I want to just take those in reverse order and just walk through how are we doing here at Heartland in helping people make a difference here, near, and far. And let me start with this one. I'm going to start with just with far. Uh, faraway places. For decades now, uh, the people of Heartland, we, we, because we know that uh, the, the organized systems of religion are so prone to fall in on themselves and to look inward as opposed to outward, we've realized that um, one of the things we have to be intentional with is giving our money and pushing our money not inward, but pushing our money out the doors. Because money is one of the quickest things that will get a group of people to forget their mission. And I love that we have a rich history of pushing money out beyond our walls. I can tell you uh, just this week about um, uh, uh, my friend Todd, who's wearing an orange vest today somewhere. And this week, Todd helped uh, lead a group of people uh, to raise enough money for a fundraiser. They're all running this stuff. I'm running this thing. I'm part of the fundraiser. We raised enough money through Heartland for people across the world, far away, to change. Uh, I got the number here. I want to get it right. 679 people now have clean drinking water because of the efforts of people here in this church over the last week. And I look at that and I say, that's a beautiful piece of the puzzle. You're like, what is this? This is Heartland. Don't you see it, you guys? <laughs> but I don't want to tell you Todd's story because that's, you know, I've told that story before and Todd's standing over there and you should ask Todd about that story. I actually want to tell you a story about uh, another friend of mine, a friend of yours, a, fr a friend of ours because he's a Heartlander, a guy named Solomon Dobb. Solomon is making a difference in the world as a witness to Jesus' power. Um, Solomon has lived here in Kansas for decades uh, his family is thriving. Um, Solomon's home of Barana, Ethiopia, has not been thriving. In fact, the practical needs of food and education have been missing because for the last five years, the rainy season has not shown up. There's been a drought in Barana, Af uh, Ethiopia, for five years. The, almost all of the cattle have died. And here's what's crazy. Back in February, a mass migration of people to the tune of like 1.1-ish million people have migrated away from their homes, away from their communities, away from their ways of living into tent camps. They're um, struggling to survive, struggling to have food. This is a forgotten crisis. Um, there's not much to do when you don't have rain. The drought just devastates everything. 
There are only nine humanitarian agencies in the entire world who have shown up to help the people of Barona, Africa. Because of that, because these are Solomon's people, these are our people. Because Solomon's one of us, these people belong to us. And I'd love for you to hear the next part of the story actually from Solomon himself. Can you help me welcome to the stage Solomon Dapp? Please help me welcome to the stage Solomon Dapp. Okay, take it away, man. So thank you, thank you for giving me yeah. this opportunity. Uh, indeed, my people became your people. Um, Heartland has not been only helping this time. There was a history of supporting uh, uh, Ethiopia in the crisis situation. Yeah. So with that, uh, you have given about $25,000 for Barona people that has helped about 500 household. Each household has at least four family members, which is over 2,000 people were helped. But this money is not only help, but the, uh, the need, you know, physical need, but the spiritual aspect of it, that people of Borona, the indigenous small churches, have had an opportunity to pour back to the people of Borona, because Borona is mostly non-Christian community. Sure. So with that, we saw witnessing six people giving to, uh, their life to the Lord, and this is your impact, bringing people to the Christ. And this is ultimate goal of everyone of each yeah. of you guys. So just imagine about, you know, um, in heaven, yeah. you will see people yeah. whom you impacted further, far, that you don't even know. Yeah. So that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, back in February, uh, Solomon approached us and said, we've got this idea. We've got these five-gallon buckets. We can put some food in there. We've got oil. We have access to these things, and we can get them to the people. And we can impact an entire family for just $50, this bucket and this food and, and all of it. And so um, we said, well, that's great, Solomon. And, and Solomon said, how, we said, how are you going to get it to people? He said, well, we've got people on the ground. And uh, so we just quietly gave a check. I hope that's okay with everybody. We just quietly gave a check. We didn't make a big deal about it. We made the decision not to put it on Facebook because you know, we don't want to be accused of, of you know, uh, using problems in the world to boost our own self-satisfaction. We just quietly gave. And, and there, because we gave, something else happened with it, right? There was yep. an organization out of California. Yes. That, uh, that $25,000 uh, has prompted other organization in California, hey, we come alongside of you guys. And then they give 11,000 into it. And that has helped us to buy indigenous Bibles for each of these people. Language, Bibles with, in the language of the with people. With their own languages. Yeah. Just imagine what, yeah. what is the impact it is. Yeah. And I, I believe this is just the seed you guys have put that will replicate and you never know who is going to be touched yeah. and know Jesus. Yeah, so my favorite part of the story is that Solomon had a vision for food and someone else said, hey, we've got a spiritual vision. And, and God took that and matched the, the food with, with people being receptive to Jesus. 
that as you guys were meeting practical needs, you were making a difference in the, the situation for these people. And the last thing you told me was that the churches, which have been ostracized from the community, because of this $25,000 investment, a small investment that we made, small for us, right? A small investment. Uh, these, these churches across uh, Barona now have some sort of standing in the community where the claims of Jesus are actually being considered by the people who are facing the great needs. That's an incredible difference that you guys, you guys have made. Now, here's, um, let me ask you one, one question before uh, I got to keep moving. But uh, what, okay, so when you make a difference, it makes, making a difference for others, it makes a difference in you. How has, you're such, such a unique situation, right? Where you're here and you're there, you've got yeah. family in both situations. Yeah. How has making a difference for the people of Barona made a difference in your heart? Okay, Dan, you want to tell me this story in four minutes? It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But I will tell you this. The story that God brought this little kid who has been on and off on the street, and I didn't know even in my survival, would, I would be surviving before my teens. But here I am before you and see that God called me and told me that I'm a child of him. Hmm. It, it is a difference maker. Is just let alone what it is, identity was a question for me. Hmm. God said, you are my son. You are my child. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. It amazes me to these days that I'm leading this ministry that's supporting children and families in, in the areas where I came from. That is a miracle for me. Yeah. So, guys, I don't know how to say it. God has been faithful uh, beyond my expectation. Yeah. Not only are you a child, God looks at you and says you're a witness. Mm. You are a difference maker. Uh, Solomon, there's an event coming up here. Let me just plug this really fast on your behalf. Uh, on September 10th, if you want to know more about A Bright Future for Kids, which is an organization that Solomon has created and has a great partnership here at Heartland, they'll be right here, 5 o'clock, in the dock for an Ethiopian experience, and you can find out more ways. You're, they're also got a table out in the atrium today, and love for you to connect. Can we just say thank you to Solomon for all the work you've done? Thank you, Beth. I mean, what, what is that? This is, this is making a difference right here. It's, it's making a difference far, far away, but it's making a difference far away because there are people here who are impacted. I um, want to move us from far to near. And I could say so much about the far and the near. Um, but what I love about our church is that we're filled, this room right here is filled with people who are making a difference nearby in Johnson County and Douglas County and Wyandotte County, all of the spaces around Kansas City. Um, I want to talk just briefly about the ways that some of you have used this church to advance making a difference uh, nearby in this area. When I first came to Heartland just a couple years ago, there was a lot of things around this building that were very pretty, a lot of things that were done very well. I mean, we've, we've got nice architecture, but there was one thing that I thought was just, just like super janky. I was, it was the ugly thing that no one else seemed to notice, and I was like going to fix it. And it's not the color green on the walls. I can't fix that. It's too expensive. It's, 
It was the yellow cart that stands by the entrance doors. Do you guys know the cart that I'm talking about? For weeks, there was this yellow cart. It looks like the type of mail cart that would exist in like a high-rise building uh, that would go deliver mail or packages at like a post office store. And, and it was just sitting there. And it, it had this sign that said, donations uh, drop off. And I was like, man, that's, like, can't we do, can't we, this is Heartland. Can't we do better than that, you know? And um, then I realized that that cart was used week after week, after week, after week, after week. My, my first couple of weeks here, there was a diaper drive to help moms who, who were uh, facing an, an unexpected pregnancy. The, the next week, there was school supply drop-offs. Uh, the next week, there, there was um, winter coats we were, we were asking for. The, the next week, it was this thing called gifts from the heart. And, and I, I saw all of these people on a weekly basis going out to the store, going out and, and getting things to, to help make a difference in the lives of other people. And, and what I loved about this was I found out that those were not initiatives that were run by our staff. Those are staff-supported initiatives that were run by people in our local church right here. People like you who, who wanted to organize a thrift drive to support a local ministry to make a difference right here and nearby in, in Kansas City. But there's one ministry that stands out in particular. It's a ministry that started seven years ago through the invention and the heartbeat of Heartlanders who wanted to make a difference nearby. And they, they realized that in the cycles of, of, of need, people couldn't always have access to fresh foods. And so through a partnership with an organization called Harvesters, for seven years, these group, this group of people uh, gathered once a month on a Saturday to give their time and to give food to people. We uh, ended our partnership with the Harvesters last month, and it was the last food distribution. And one of our Heartlanders uh, heard about that and said, well, I'd like to show up and tell this story. Can I bring a camera and can I capture some footage? And we said, yeah, we're here to help you make a difference. Go ahead, make a difference. And so here is the video of our last uh, Harvesters event from July. Take a look. And the Bible, it tells us in 1 Peter 4.10 to use your talents. So everybody's out here using their talents of serve to serve those who are in need. In July of 2016, Heartland and Harvesters partnered together to feed the hungry here in Olathe. The very first July, we served 25 cars came through. Now we average 170 every month. You never realize what your impact can do for another person. And whether it's a small interaction or it's giving them food for the week to feed their family. If we can help one family, we can maybe help a block. We can help a community. Serving with Harvesters these last seven years here at Heartland has been a fantastic opportunity. It's just been a blessing all the way around. We've cultivated connections within the community. We've joined with other churches where we've enabled them to get food for their food pantry. We've also made connections with those that come through. After this month, we will have served 17,000 households here in Olathe. That includes 37,000 adults and almost 40,000 children in our neighborhood. We will have 12,500 vehicles that have come through the line and we will have distributed 1.6 million pounds of food. Is that not insane? 
It would be uh, completely inappropriate for me to not highlight the endless work of Kevin Howard, uh, who has just for seven years taken on a part-time job to make a difference here in this community. Can we thank Kevin for all of his leadership and for all of his just incredible. The, the last, last distribution that, that we had, I was uh, out there with, with Kevin and he, he um, looked at me, he goes, dude, we've served 82,000 people in seven years. We just kind of showed up one day wondering if anybody needed food. And now here we are seven years later, 82,000 people. He said, you know that that's the amount of people you get if you fill Arrowhead Stadium, including the ground. <laughs> he said, we fed everyone who would fit inside of Arrowhead Stadium. Does that not hit you guys the same way it hits me? Okay, so I was at Arrowhead Stadium last night getting my piano man on. And I looked around, and even Billy Joel could not fill Arrowhead with the ground. And, and, and the, through the works of people here at Heartland, he's just taken food to 82,000 people. It's an, it's an insane amount of people. We're so, so impressed and grateful for that. And all these people are, are making the dream of, of, of making a difference a reality. Now, here's, here's the risk of talking about these things, is you might be thinking to yourself, like, I can't go around the world. I maybe don't have as much disposable income as, as I'd like. Do I need to take a week off of my job to go far away? Or do I need to, like, get a part-time job volunteering somewhere to make a difference? And here's uh, what, I, what I love, is that Jesus says, not necessarily. The ways that you make a difference the, the, within the picture that God is putting together for the dream of, of, of his church is that God is presenting to the world right here in this community people who make a difference. The people of faith themselves are a place where people make a difference in each other's lives. Did you know that when we come together on a Sunday morning, when we come together in any gathering, those of us who are the people of Heartland, we are actually called to make a difference, not just outside these walls, but, but outside of these walls in the lives of the people who have also made this their home. Um, I started with the furthest out and I came a little closer to home uh, here. I want to just finish today right here at Heartland. Do you know that here is our greatest commonality? We help people make a difference right here, keeping our arms open to one another. On an average Sunday, there are about 150 people working together to have this building operational. Did you know that? But 150 people is what it takes for us to even just like ha have you come in and sit down. It takes about 150 people. What, what is that? That's 150 pieces of the puzzle who give up their time to actually create a space where, where you could consider God and talk to God and be inspired to live your life for God. I um, love that on a weekly basis, there are adults who have dedicated an hour of their week to spend time with toddlers and to spend time with middle schoolers and to spend time with high schoolers and to spend time with elementary kids. I lost a sticky. And I love that we are a church who, who has people who, who are interested in actually making a difference with the people who uh, exist right here in their own community. What are they doing? They're, they're using their time to make a difference. I, I love that. There's a guy uh, in our church by the name of Nick. Nick has no idea that I'm about to talk to him, but he gave us this quote once. And so if you ever give me a quote, fair warning, I might use it. Um, 
Nick, this is yours. This is Nick. It's a really uh, blurry picture, but I want you to pay attention to what he says. Nick says, by the time students are in middle school, see if you relate to this, uh, they're typically entering a new chapter of their faith journey. Helping each student navigate through their own questions makes me ask these questions for myself, which just deepens my faith even more. When we make a difference for others, it makes a difference in ourselves. He says this, middle school is an awkward and confusing time for almost everyone. Yes? Amen. Yes. Which is why it brings me so much joy to watch students discover that they are deeply loved by God and that they always belong. Plus, they are a ton of fun to hang out with. I love what Nick is doing. Nick has decided to put his puzzle piece into the work that God has started right here in this church. He, he's decided he's not going to sit by. He's, he's going he's gonna to put himself in, and I'm a terrible puzzler, but something happened to this one, so just forgive me for a moment. <laughs> it's fine. I, I love, because uh, this is what happens in a church. One of the reasons that I don't want you to ever disconnect from a church, I hope you connect in here at Harlem, but one of the reasons I don't want you to ever disconnect from a church is because the community of faith right here, your Jerusalem, your heartlands, your, your local churches, is a place where you actually can make a difference in the lives of somebody else in a way that God has designed you to make a difference in their lives. A, a person like Nick, who probably never would have thought of himself as a pastor, is pastoring middle school students. He's helping them walk by faith through the different situations of their life. I think about all of the volunteers who serve as our board of directors or our pastoral elders. These are people who carry on significant ministry in our church. Because there is a here, because there is a place for them to actually invest and make a difference, people um, have found that they're actually really good at walking through the difficult moments of health crises and even losing a loved one. Do you know that people in our church have that spiritual gifting? And it's right here that when they help other people, they're actually finding that it's making a difference in their own life. And that's the secret, is that when you and I actually keep our arms open, it does something deep inside of us. So um, here's what I want to end with today. I just want to ask you this very simple question. How has Heartland helped you make a difference? Some of you, you've done some radically incredible things that 20-year-old version of you would never believe. You've brought people into your home. You've even adopted a child. You found support here through the people of Heartland to walk you through it. And you've made a difference because you have a here community that's helped you make a difference near and far. How has Heartland helped you make a difference? And I want to ask a little bit more of a probing question right here. It's a hard question, so just forgive me right away, but... I want to ask you a more basic question. Are you making a difference right now? Maybe you have made a difference, but I'm curious, like, where are you making a difference for Jesus? Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. You'll do the works that I've sent you to do. You'll change the world with my message and my power. And I would hate for us to be the type of church that is so easy to sit down in a chair, but hard to become activated for God. You, you um, have a puzzle piece, I, I believe. I think you were given a puzzle piece. Um, if you don't imagine a puzzle piece, but I'd love for you to hold it right now. 
Because the picture that God is revealing to the world is actually a picture that is unfolding as he puts the pieces of the puzzle together. The most surprising, the most puzzling thing to be a clever preacher, I guess, the most puzzling thing to me is that the pieces that God chooses to put together are not some picture or some words, but it's us as people. God has chosen us to be the pieces that he puts together, which means that you have an important part in the puzzle that God is putting together right here at Heartland. Um, my kids uh, watch their mom do puzzles all the time. I don't do puzzles. I get frustrated. I flip the table. But Kristen loves puzzles. And, and I, the harder the puzzle, the more pieces, the better. Someone got us a puzzle once that was just a QR code. We thought they were friends. But she loved it. It was like a, this great thing. And, and early on when my kids were younger, they wanted to make a difference with the puzzle. And so here's what they would do. They would sit down, they would, they would look at her, and they would put their hand on the table, they put their hand right on a piece, and they would just slide it off and put it into their pocket. <laughs> and Kristen would be pouring out her soul to this puzzle. She'd be watching all the shows, puzzling in her happy place, until one moment she puts all the pieces in, and she's missing the last piece there's a missing piece to the puzzle. And every time, you know, she doesn't curse, but I think she curses. <laughs> and, and when our kids were little, they, they thought, well, now's my chance to make a difference. Now's my moment to finally like, and so they'd come back over and they'd be like, you looking for this? <laughs> and listen, nobody likes the kid who hides the last piece, right? <laughs> she would snatch it out of their hands and put it back in. Now, they were, they were being mischievous for sure, but they, but they also just wanted to make a difference. They didn't really know how. And so Kristen over the years has, has said, if you want to help, help me from the beginning. So she would teach them how to actually go about putting the pieces in the right place. And now all of my kids, to my amazement, they love puzzles. I still do not. <laughs> but I know that feeling of what happens when there's one piece missing. It's kind of like, why did I spend all this time? Why did I, like, what's the point, right? I'm so glad that God has a point, even if some of the pieces of the puzzle aren't clear to us or we don't see it. But I hope you know that you are one of the pieces of this puzzle that are so important that if ever you were missing, it would change the whole thing. And so what I wanna to do today is actually just introduce you to some of the opportunities for you to make a difference. I wanna introduce you to some of the ways that we believe God's calling you to be a witness here, near, and far. So here's how we're going to end. I'm, I'm done. Um, what, what's going to happen now is that if you've got kids, you're going to go get your kids from our kids' ministry, but, but you're going to take that puzzle, that puzzle piece, and you're, there's opportunities for you outside in the atrium just to talk to people and meet people. You're not signing up for anything. There's no two weeks uh, of vacation that's needed for these things from you. You just want to have a conversation with someone and say, hey, tell me how you serving in this area has made a difference. I would love for you to put our people on the spot and just ask them that question. How is it that this ministry is making a difference? And if they say something to you that resonates with your heart, here's what I want you to do with that puzzle piece. I want you to scratch your name on it or, or on a sheet nearby, and I want you to leave it with that leader to ask more questions and to find out more information about that thing later. There are environments with, with our, school, our middle school students, our high school students, our kids, where you can ask real people who are actually in the, the, the puzzle with everyone. How is this going? How are you making a difference? And then ask them this, what difference does it make in you? All these people that are moving, by the way, are people you need to talk to. And then uh, what I want you to do is, is find some things that are far away. 
and some opportunities across the sea and just ask the question, how could I make a difference here? And I believe that, that we have so many opportunities for you to make a difference in, in this world that if you didn't have a conversation, not only would the puzzle be incomplete, but the difference wouldn't be made in you either. And I love you too much to let you keep going on without making a difference for others and without making a difference in you. Because Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. He said, don't talk about it. Go be about it. Heartland, go be about it. We love you.